heard that you love comic books and need a fix on superheroes. Maybe you is different mastermind. So you side with the villains. Had an all which side you own if Marvel or DC. Which artist you respect the most? Bob Kane or Stan Lee? Need the latest film adaptions coming to the screen. Get the facts on starring actors. Which ones you need to go see? Maybe you a gamer cause you love to take control. Get latest news on the hottest games. Then debate the best console. Nintendo or Sony can't forget Microsoft. Find out which games you have to play and which ones should not. Get on board and join the movement, you won't be last. Check signal strength, turn volume up. It's time for a new podcast. Yeah, you need the facts on all these stuff. Who got the latest word? Hit internet for number one. It's nerds against the world. You got questions, they got answers. Best you've ever heard. No competition, listen close. It's nerds against the world. Welcome back to our new episode of Nerds Against the World. The reboot is rebooted. This is the third time it's been rebooted. Version 1 featured me, Bobby Geekstar Jenkins, Lorraine Montez Williams, Benita Lovario, Summer Doster. Version 2, Mauricio Rodriguez, Amanda Kane, and Daniel Calderopoulos, who is now MIA in terms of the stratosphere of the internet's. Now nah, he's on Discord, but I'm gonna be respectful and not give out his Discord name. Probably in the description. But um, <laughs> welcome back to Nerds Against the World. I am your host Desmond Desi Robinson. If you haven't listened to past episodes of Nerds Against the World, I have been Hero G 007, Hero Geek 007, or Hero the Geek, Hero the Sith, Desi the Sith, and now Desi is dead. I have went through so many identity crises. You can legit call me Hal Jordan. <laughs> but <laughs> that laughter right there is my good friend returning back to Nerds Against the World, Mauricio Rodriguez. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for being back. I, when I, when, um, and going forward, these um, Nerds Against the World episodes are going to be five to six short um, um, episodes, um, seasons, basically. Um, so we may go, so if you see us having new episodes for like two months and then we're going dead for three, that means I'm writing the next season because I feel with everything that's going on in the world now is yes, it's great to be a nerd, but it's also a bad time being a nerd, Star Wars, Star Trek. Um, I'm talking about the fandom in terms of those, but as nerds, we should be able to talk about religion, sex and everything that we don't normally talk about that should be talked about as nerds. And we're not professionals. We've never been professionals. Trust, there's episodes of Nerds Against the World out there where I'm the least professional person in the group. But here, we're just normal people who has opinions, and I know opinions today are grenades, but we have opinions, and hopefully we create a space like Nerds Against the World is now trying to do, create a space where we can be able to openly talk about our opinions without the judgment and ridicule that you will see on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, these past episodes on Nerds Against the World, we've talked about um, body insensitivity, toxic male toxic, toxic male masculinity, um, where I was the only gentleman on the episode. And I was able to open up a little bit more about myself being um, a dude in this world. 
um, and being able to sp freely speak on matters that don't normally be talked about. Um, we talked about religion on this past season, and we also talked about representation in media. Um, I can say this definitively. In season two, we're going to be talking about representation in nerd media. I think that is more important because me and Mauricio, before we talked, about, before we started recording this episode, we were talking about the Marvel slate. And technically, out of the Marvel slate, two has African American uh, males in the lead, but um, but um, and one of Armenian Indian descent, but no Latin descent, who is the lead of a show. Which, um, and there are Marvel characters who could lead a show. But we do have Oscar Isaac, who is of Latin descent, who is now playing Moon Knight. But for right now, people, and then also the, that's why I'm having actual people of Latin descent on that episode. Because there are different levels of Latin representation. And not just a singular one. Because just to be 100% clear. I don't want to misspeak right now before we go into talking about the video games on this episode. But am I right though? Because there is because there is different forms of representation in terms of Latin uh, Latin community. Am I right? Or or I'm being horrible? Well, um, that's uh. To be absolutely honest, I gave you a stop, huh? Yeah, I mean. I don't know. Um, I never. Hmm. I guess it has maybe something to do with the fact that uh, most of my life I just grew up in a Latin American country. But the I, the um, the thing with re with representation. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm guessing it also has to do with the times. Um. Well, I would say that most likely that's an idea that's been floating around uh, recently all over the world, including Latin America. Um, at least as I was growing up, we were just happy to be able to enjoy things, uh, superheroes, video games, and uh, being represented that way wasn't at least... Me growing up wasn't that um, wasn't that big. Although, gotta say, um, it is very cool to see things like um, uh, a mixed race uh, Latin American black uh, Spider Man out there on Miles Morales, and now him getting his own game. Uh, the way that it's been expanding, it is really cool. Cause that was, um, cause there's some people, I have a friend, she did a deep dive on, on Spider-Man and she realized there's a bunch of different spider people. And I was like, yeah, you have Arcana, um, who's of Latin descent, who also webs around New York. She rarely goes to Peter Parker, um, for help, but she, when she does, she is mainly in terms of a science bag because Spider-Man is a scientist. People tend to forget this. Mm. Especially within now the MC well the MCU uses it, but not as much as I would like to see. Like he's not one of the top five smartest people in the world, but he's up he's in the top ten. 
that he's in terms of Marvel hierarchy of smart people. But um, I, well, he's like he's a kid. Yeah, he's a kid. Yeah, that. Oh, so that yeah, he's 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 in high school. I mean, you compare him to something to somebody like Tony Stark, who was in the in the in the weapons industry for years and Wait. now has been working on his, on his Iron Man suit for for years now um of course it's impossible that he's going to be you know that he's going to that, that he's going to be as as smart as um as somebody like him but then you know you got to consider hey how is he going to look uh when he's actually Tony Stark's age Good thing we were, we're talking on Spider-Man now because the topic of this episode of this reboot of Dreads Against the World, um, should gaming companies stop giving specific release dates to their games? Um, a prime example for this would be Cyberpunk. Within a year alone, they went through three release dates to finally come out um, December 9th of 2020. Um, yeah. And... It's not looking good. There's their transphobic tweets on Twitter, which is very that's that was alarming in the first place. Like, really? That's tone deaf. Two, um, epilepsy. There are people who experience epilepsy, and there's even warnings on every single video game. If you have epilepsy, there um, there's precautions you should take when playing video games. Um, but they don't do none of that for Cyberpunk. And apparently, this looks worse than The Witcher 3. Um, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta say, though, um, yeah, the, the, the epilepsy concern is really big. Um, I, I do gotta say, Cyberpunk does warn that. Oh, okay. um, yeah, it, as soon as you boot the game, as it gives you the, cyber, the, the CD Projekt Red, uh, logo and everything it does tell you at the beginning hey if you're if you if you tend to experience epilepsy uh, consider that this this might be that th this might cause that for you they do give a warning which it, at least is fair which it might not have been there by the time that uh, the reviewers were playing the game maybe it was added up in in the day one patch. Mm -hmm. Uh, which, at the very least, is handling the situation in one way. Okay. So now I know that. But um, there have been games this year and past that don't use the full scope of their development time to... We're not looking for perfect games. We're just looking for games that, is, that doesn't break the game. Another perfect example. Uh, I can't believe I'm bringing this up. Because this would broke us. Well, it didn't break up Nerds Against the World, but it really did break me. Uh, Mass Effect and Gunner. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Um, that one... 100% everybody's like, this is EA's fault. True, but... Bioware knew... Bioware should have fought to make this game um, stay in development a little bit while longer. Because I haven't, at the, at the start of it when it came out, I didn't experience any bugs. Real, like, game-breaking bugs. Replaying it now in 2020, though, I did. The, really? Yeah, the whole entire map, sky, blacked out. Interesting. I mean, black. 
I'm like, what the fuck is this? Um, characters, there are when there's a um, cutscene, characters are in the way. Like, like, why you in the sh- why you are in the shot? You not should be in the shot. What the fuck? <laughs> you didn't do this before three years ago. You doing it now? <laughs> like, wow. And I haven't realized. I have not. And it's I'm like, and I rose colored glasses was already off. It was like the. the you do see the stark difference between when you meet director Addison when the game first came out when she's like her first her face looks tired. And, and yeah, I remember angry, that. And she's angry, but she doesn't look it. But when they did the update, now she looks it. But then I didn't really notice it. I went back to play, um, watch gameplay videos of other people playing it. The only people who had facial expressions, proper facial expressions was the writers, which means Sarah and Scott and their father, and anyone who you romance. Specifically in romance scenes. Like, the, they totally bypassed all the whole entire game in terms of facial animations and solely focused on these sex scenes. They wanted, you, they wanted them to be really memorable. It, I'll tell you this. When I romance Korra, at first, I was like, damn, that is the thrusting is very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> and now, if I'm replaying it, I'm picking the safe option. They just fall asleep in each other's arms. I, I'll take the safe option than the sexual option if I'm replaying Andromeda now. Mm. And, it, and, it's, and it feels more better. Like, And I think, and the reason why Mass Effect is doing this Look at the Dragon Age as it as it like went as each game went, and Dragon Age Two is also another form of like that game took a year to make. I think Dragon Age Two needed at least another year and a half. Hmm. Like narratively, I felt I felt Dragon Age Two is good. Gameplay wise, no, they needed another year. Replaying it, they needed another year because if you're playing it. Let's say you just want the experience of the story, so you're going to play on easy. There's some increasing difficulty spikes just yeah. on easy mode. If you're just looking for the narrative aspects of it. Um, so my question is like, well, I already said the question. What games you remember, Mauricio, you felt that needed maybe an extra year or two? We'll get to Cyberpunk, because that, that can take up the rest of the episode. But... Um, what games you feel did use better use of their time in terms of development and those that didn't? Well, I mean, one thing that uh, one thing that always needs to be considered is um, right now it's it's it, it it seems weird to say that to to say this, but it's gotten way better to the way that it was, if you remember back in 2014, um, with games like, uh, what was it? Uh, Watch Dogs, the original one. Mm -hmm. Now, that game was a mess the moment it came out. Um, any, Any Bethesda game during the first few months, Skyrim was a mess. Um any other fallouts especially fallout 4 
when it came out. Um, then there's the other side, which is once people start playing it, there are sometimes things that the developers don't even notice, and they can only do that because people start no noticing it, uh, and they start reporting it, and that helps them a lot more in fixing those problems. Um, there is, though, the problem that still it, it, it feels like now that we are able to, you know, do updates on games and everything, it, it, it feels like the starting, uh, the way that the game starts, the way that the game releases is not as important to the, um, to the companies releasing the games because, you know, it takes, uh, takes a lot of money to make and uh, it takes a lot of money to, fi to, to fix all of these bugs. Um, but yeah, Andromeda, I remember... Uh, playing it first week, I remember. I, I remember giving up within the first couple of hours, uh, and just being like, "I'm, I'm, I'm gonna wait a couple more weeks. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna wait a couple more weeks just so they can fix something because it, it, it was just so ridiculous." I, I know it was. Oh, I don't want to get. I don't want to get sad. I, I just think I love Bioware. It's. Bioware is really one of the first games outside of JRPGs, a West playing a Western RPG with. Like I, I'm always in between on you, you know me. I'm I, I don't I'm not a it's no. It's no secret I don't like Harry Potter or, the, <laughs> Lord of the Rings film. So, when I say I love fantasy. People are like, but you don't like those two franchises. I'm like. It's not adult. For, it's not adult enough for me, but it's not also like a good mixture of like real fantasy and like to me. So I'm like, now I'm playing D and D, so I'm getting all that. Mm -hmm. um, but then also, Mass Effect brought me and Dragon Age brought me into that world. Finally, of getting getting that getting that adult feel to it, like like holy fucking shit, like it, it like this would. When I was watching Game of Thrones, this prepared Dragon Age prepared me for Game of Thrones. Yeah, in a way it did because if you do if you do the human noble parallels to the Starks, oh, this is totally similar. Especially if you let the main character die at the end of Dragon Age, I'm like, oh, it is totally fucking similar. Or Alistair, or Alistair's life, personal life. So it was like, oh, it was like, like you really think about it. Alistair is Jon Snow. Born from a human, like a noble family, sent off to work um, for a secret organization. Come on, he comes back to be the true king. I know not, mm. not a lot of people want to talk about the last this last season of the Game of Thrones, but still, <laughs> like there's a lot, yeah. of, there's a lot of parallels. But the difference between these games and what the ones you was talking about, and then what we're all going to talk about, they have proper development time. <laughs> yeah. Um. Dragon Age 2 gets an asterisk because it feels like an expansion to Origins than an actual true sequel. The thing, yeah, Dragon Age 2 really needed some more time in the oven. Like, not only, man, they really needed a, f a couple dozen more maps, not just rehashing the same old one. Hmm. That 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 game is infuriating. I mean, really good, like you said, narrative wise. But it's like, I, 
I do agree. Maybe a couple more hours added to it. Really, like, it felt like it ended so abruptly when Anders blows up the Chantry and Kurt Wall. Yeah. Um, and then also, one gripe I have with um, Dragon Age 2. I see a lot of people now making Hulk a buy count. How the fuck people are doing this? Like, seriously, that is a trophy I do not have till this day. Hmm. I'm like, how are these people... Like, what are they doing in Dragon Age 2? And my brother's like, oh, they're just probably just being a dick. I'm like, really? I'm like, I make Hulk... And, I was like, Hulk is being... I don't care if I'm being... Um, either a male or female Hulk. I'm acting like a dick, but then at the end of it, he's not the buy count. Hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know that it... But the thing is, that's what I love about the Dragon Age games, because... Whatever choices you do, in a way, you still feel inherently like you, you have to have some form of a moral compass to yourself. So, like, even if, like that's how I feel. Like the writing in these games are so well done, and hence why we're harking back to development because I feel I think in some form of way these game devs are like, let's really fuck with this person's psyche. They're gonna think they're gonna go with the evil option, but they're really not. And we really, most people, yes, they go straight up evil. There's a playthrough on Dragon Age Inquisition. Somebody posted, Cassandra hates the Inquisitor. Most of the people quit mid-through, and some people die. Damn. I'm like, no. I would never <laughs> play Dragon Age Inquisition like that. It, it, hurt, it really hurt my soul seeing that game. Seeing how people, a person play that game, and they had to do it. Just to show you the options that happen, so I'm like, I like, I know how much I say I'm an asshole, but there's still part of me like the writing in these games are just too well done, and these voice actors play these characters so damn good that I really don't want to see these characters hurt, like they're real people. Damn. Like, I'm watching because we're gonna get to Cyberpunk. We might as well get jump the gun now, but like I'm watching gameplay videos before I'm playing it, but. There are certain characters that you can tell how the way this set up Night City. It, it's essentially Los Angeles. Everyone is just broken up in different parts. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically it, it's basically Los Angeles in twenty seventy seven. Yeah. After uh, after uh, well. But one of the things they they did, and I've noticed CD Project Red did, is a callback to this is around the time you were still here in California. Um, when we both read the news that they wanted to separate all of California into different parts, uh, to make it California not California anymore, just separate up in different states. Mm -hmm. And that's what essentially what looked like CD Projekt Red did. So, like, the only three states are like everywhere except for California. So, which is kind of cold. Like, oh, California turns into a hotbed of debauchery, but everyone else is fine. Oh, I see y'all. Okay, I see y'all. Uh, somebody must have pissed somebody off at see <laughs> here in Los Angeles. I, I, it's all good. I'm not butthurt. I'm a, I'm a little bit. Dude, this, is my, this is my home state, and this is my city. Like, seriously. I'm a little butthurt. It's like... I'm trying to equate it. Oh, here's one. They always make Mexico look like a fucking desert, but they don't see the fucking metropolitan town 
and the cities <laughs> like the sky- skyscrapers and all like seriously so, yeah Sicario the only movie reference is going to post is on you Sicario is a known offender for this shit Deli Vinanu is really is a good damn director I give him that but bruh you have Latin well French Latin descent but still you know full well Mexico is a bustling fucking town I mean like seriously Mexico City like I haven't been my grandmother been my grandma's more world traveled than I am either way um That was my tangent. That was my tangent for the episode. <laughs> um, but um, to compare it to um, Last of Us, I don't see any technical anything technical wrong with Last of Us Two, and I really don't like the way how the game looked. Well, and played, it felt like it was really completed. I don't know what they was doing on pushing back their like pushing back their date or wanted to like hold the date besides the leak because like if we want to compare last of us 2 to cyberpunk it's, it's like um last of us was more completed and polished as a, and also ghost of Tsushima was also completed and polished yeah but that cyberpunk i felt yeah it's probably close to 10 years it should have took the extra year because we both know it does not look very well um, on the base model PS4 or Xbox One, and but there's still bugs and glitches on the P- on the PC version as well. It looks great, but it still looks it, it plays horrible. Yeah, the, um, so I've, uh, I've been hearing a lot of that with the. Um with the base models for the for the Xbox One and the PS4 mm-hmm. um, it really doesn't seem like they like it, it seems like there was a point where to do everything that they had to do they had to push it a bit farther than what the last gen consoles could take and uh, the the next gen consoles it's a lot easier for those and of course on PC um, it works fine, but yeah, it, 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 it's a weird situation because they, they'd already said that the reason for the last, uh, for the last delay was because they wanted to iron out the, the old consoles version of the game, which if you think about that, that's the only version that's available. Like you can play, you can play the PS4 version on a PS5, and you can play the the Xbox One version on the uh, on, a, on an Xbox Series S, X. But yeah, it's, it's still the only version that's out, which makes it kind of you know weird. I, I feel it's gonna be like Grand Theft Auto V when it ported over to the PS4 at the time when the PS4 just came out. The PS4 was the best version, while the PS3 version was just the trash version. Mm. I seriously feel they put so much of their time on the PS5 and Series X version. It's going to be graphically... I think it's going to be more polished than the base console models. And I think... Look at No Man's Sky um, to compare it. Also, another comparison. 
it took what two three years after No Man's Sky to look the way how it was supposed to be and play how it was supposed to be yeah something like that I, I feel if anyone who still has a PS4 in the next two three years and they're playing Cyberpunk it's gonna look and feel the way Cyber CD Projekt Red intended it to be yeah, although I mean, there is the question of whether whether it's worth um, whether it's worth to the company uh, wait an extra two years to iron those out yeah. while not even being able to sell the game, uh, not having anything else in the oven, and uh, instead now that the game has been released they can focus on like they can split the team between fixing the game and then making extra content which we already know they're doing mm-hmm. um so it's 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 tough i mean it's a lot of things to consider um the other thing is that man we really like initially the plan was that we would be playing this game back in march like those uh that those couple weeks that I was at home when covid started man I would have been having the time of my life playing that game um except I know that I probably wouldn't have because look at how long it's taken for them to iron it out and then look at what the result is like it, it still has so many issues dude yeah like on pc it's mostly funny stuff like it's i mean I'm 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 not running it on a on a super high end computer. Um, I do have a 2060, not a not even 2060 super, just a regular 2060. Uh, and I have an Gen i5 and uh, like 32 gigs of RAM. So it's it's a powerful machine. It's not like super high end, but it's running fine. Um, it is mostly just that, just like the funny bugs that you would see. And uh, the things that you would expect out of a out of a a, a newly released um a newly, a newly released AAA game these days, uh, mostly funny, some sometimes distracting, uh, a little bit annoying from time to time. But the console situation is is bad. Like I I feel like CD Projekt kind of dropped the ball when it comes to the console side of things. Yeah. And I I saw I saw a video by uh, made by IGN with Brian Altano and this other dude I, whose name I don't remember. Um and he was saying that if EA had made this and if EA had made all of the things like if EA had done all of the things that Cyberpunk had like we would be ripping them a new one and we'd be calling them out and we'd be angry and i mean as much as i love city project and as much as i don't want to think that they're trying to abuse the trust that people put on them because of the way that they've been in the past it does kind of feel like maybe we didn't get quite as much as we were promised initially and that's got to that's got to be something that we consider as well um that's actually a great pull because i found this um, excerpt from kotaku and essentially it says 
Of course, a far bigger issue is that a loud proportion of Cyberpunk 2077 purchasers, and indeed many other big game, big name games, don't want reviews at all. They want reassurance. They paid for this game nearly two years ago for whatever illogical reason. Um, besides, I'm supporting the mass, uh, massive multi-million dollar company. For no game, no extra content, no early access, no bonus items, and they want to know that they did the right thing. And for some, um, for some paying for a year, a game that's years away is just the start of some self-imposed brainwashing that causes someone to switch from being a person who pre-ordered a game to a game that they want, um, that they want to be paid, um, too paid to be a fan. Hmm. Uh, there is some parallels to that because we do put. CD Projekt Red and some devs um, to a high pedestal, and when they do flub up, or basically when we see the faults in their cracks, it's like mm-hmm. we just is a turn on them. Like, not every company is a good company. Like, there are some stinkers at Sucker Punch, but there are some good gems out of Sucker Punch games. Yeah. Um, but also, it's like it's still, it's still comparing apples and oranges because um, Sucker Punch is well, we'll take Sucker Punch out because they they're still thankfully their own studio. Um, like CD Projekt Red, those like who's managing, like who's the director, who's the manager, who's who's behind this? Like they can still, um, I think it's called GOG.com. I forgot the like what's the acronym is for. Yeah, good old games. Okay, that's where I purchased my copy of Cyberpunk. Because they get a hundred percent of the revenue back from there. Right, because uh, City Project Red actually purchased Gaga a few years ago, so a hundred percent of the revenue from the game goes to the City Project Group because they they own good old games. See? Um. So, like, so I- yeah, if you're if you if CD Projekt Red is a company that you want to support out there, um, and you wanna and you haven't and you still for some reason haven't played the Witcher games and you want to support them, the best way to do that is is going to GOG.com and purchasing all of the CD Projekt Red uh, games directly from there because that's literally they are the developers, the people who own GOG.com. That's if they st- if they haven't um, pissed you off with Cyberpunk, though, ever, listeners. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I didn't get paid to say this. I just really love the company, and even with all the hic- hiccups that we've been seeing with Cyberpunk, um, I do, I do still feel like they're a company worth supporting. So that, I just wanted to throw that out there. We're not corporate. And also, I love GOG as a, as, as a company because you get a lot of, like, it is literally good old games. Like, you get a lot of old games that have been forgotten and you might find a childhood game that you like to play on PC back in the day and then you'd never found again. Um, I sure as hell found a few of mine. Um, so it, it is a company that I support and I recommend for everybody it's it's a completely different thing to steam um games are drm free which is pretty cool um so yeah I, uh, just throwing that out yeah, uh, we're not corporate shills yet we're not i just i just really love them it's just a service that i use that's that's it <laughs> just, just yet. skynet will come for us once yeah <laughs> all hell skynet um 
That would not be the title of this episode. I'll be respectful on that Because <laughs> <laughs> normally, whatever I pop up would be the title for that episode. But no, that won't. It won't be. Um, we'll be more respectful this go around. <laughs> but um, oh, let's go train of thought a little bit. But the article book. To, well, this is also the thing to go over. Um, the article from. Also Kotaku. And I know people have problem with Kotaku. Look, it is what it is. Like, they got some good writers and they don't. <laughs> um, yeah. The article title is Games Made Under a Crunch um, Conditions Don't Deserve Best Award. Best Direction Awards. Um, this was this was written directly after the Video Game Awards this past Thursday. Was it was it Friday? Um, it was yesterday, so yeah, it was Friday. Okay, so, we're in the future. We're in the past, if you listen to this in the future. We recording this the day after the Video Game Awards. Yeah, we're recording this two days after the official release of Cyberpunk. So I've, we've had a couple of hours, well, at least I have had a couple of hours to, to, to put into it. Yeah, so... You're you in the future in 2021 and beyond. This is us speaking in the past, and this actually this article, this is what we're talking about. Couldn't go. Yeah, we talked about anything in the future. Couldn't if we actually do survive 2020, just so you know, we were here. And and if we do die before 2021, <laughs> I am mad that I did not get to hold Dragon Age Four in my hands. And get the hear mm. the nice baritone voice of Barry. <laughs> like seriously, that dude, I will listen to that voice actor for Barrick talk about anything. I shit you not. I I I know A Team is a bad movie, but I like good bad movies. And the voice <laughs> of Barrick is a bad guy in the A Team. Mm. And he gets um spiked by um B.A. Baracus. That's the one spoiler you're going to get. <laughs> the voice of Barrett gets spiked like a football. <laughs> American football. Just if we got any... Oh, we do We do got overseas listeners, Mercia. Do we now? Oh, nice. American football. That's that's that, that's very that's very thoughtful. I don't know. I like, I'm like, now I'm, I'm learning. It's like now we got over five countries listening to us now. No, that's very good. Hello know, there, whoever you are. I know we know it's America and Canada for two, but we don't know what's the other three. So we're, I'm just being polite by saying American football. Nice. So thank you once again. We're working our way to 14. <laughs> um, but either way, <laughs> the article says last night, The Last of Us 2 has walked away with pretty much every award. Best narrative, game of the year, best audio, Best audio design, best performance, Laura Bailey, much deserved because Laura Bailey, Paul Thomas, Paul, not Paul Thomas Anderson, um, what's his name? That's the name of his Paul Thomas Anderson movie. He played Abe Lincoln. No idea. Oh my god. Now I'm going to be in the Schmodown at that. The Schmodown is like wrestling meets movie trivia. Mm hmm. So. I want to compete because I think I can actually do it. But I keep forgetting actors' names. Either way, 
Lori Bailey put a lot of work playing Abby. Like, she really didn't need to. Like, she bulked up for Abby, even though they really had an actress to be the bulk, the, the muscle-bound Abby. But hmm. Lori Bailey put, she said she put in so much work. I was like, oh, I give it to her for that one. <laughs> like, I really felt it should only have been the voice actor for the voice actor and actor for Jen and Lori Bailey up for the award. Everyone else, nah. <laughs> like Ghost of Tsushima, like seriously, was like a a, a a Kurosawa film brought to life in a, yeah. in a playable form. Last of Us Two made voice actors actually put some like put in the work. Like, I only know Lori Bailey from Naruto, <laughs> Avengers, Spider-Man. So, uh, so for her to do this and, like, really, like, get into it, to get, like, get some meat out of her acting chops, she deserves it. I know her mostly from Critical Role. That, too. And also, thank you to Critical Role for helping me create my character, Maxim. <laughs> Inadvertently. I, I, I took some liberties. They have some great tutorials, though, on their channel. Like, I, I really, do they? Yeah, they do. They got some great tutorials. So, like, when, when me and um, who was supposed to be on, Christian, who's our DM, like, really, like, I really put in some thought to creating Maxon. And, like, that's the name of my character, people, in D&D. I'm, I'm not giving you the, like, the whole backstory because it's enough of the show for it. But I would say, like, really, like, being able to watch Critical Role and then drag, play Dragon Age and then Game of Thrones, like, knowing, like, where, how I want to create my character and how to approach him. And now I went from chaotic neutral lawful neutral to now from and if my DM was here he will confirm it but to him and I'm reiterating I am now chaotic evil damn I'm like I can see it. there are some instances where I'm being a, a upstanding citizen and then there's just moments where I just, I just fuck shit up I accidentally got a dwarf killed by an orc by implying that I had his the orc's mother in the throes of passion. The orc didn't like that. The dwarf died in response to that, what I said. But narratively, it actually happened. I, I did slept with the um, orc cheetah and his mother. I don't care. And my character's a human. So, my character is cool with orcs. Cause I, <laughs> except for that one. <laughs> I love playing DD because I'd be throwing shit out there and my DM would be like, what is going on? And then, he would, <laughs> then he'll spend the whole week rewriting stuff. Cause we would do, we just do, we just, we are we're still staying on course with the game that he wants. But the shit that we do makes him rewrite a lot. So by time we yeah. so by time we come back, we're gonna when we get back to our game tomorrow, we're gonna get some mimic tomorrow. <laughs> and so far, I'm 
here's the thing. I was literally, when I was told there was a mimic hidden within a gnome cave. None of the gnomes are, they are aware there's a mimic out there, but they don't know who it is. I kept on using perception and detect through the whole fight, this whole thing leading up to the fight. And when the mimic revealed itself, I started screaming, I was fucking right. No one did, not the DM. The, well, the DM knows. But I can, I'm getting good at reading people's faces now. Because the way how he was looking, he was like, oh shit, he's getting it. He's really getting it. While everyone else in my clan is was really fighting me against it. When the fucking mimic revealed himself, I was like this. I was right. Let's make this known. We're not seeing Maxine no more. Desmond was right. Okay. I was literally like, no. I seriously feel this person who was arguing for no apparent reason, then all of a sudden is now quiet. This fucking person is the mimic. And it was like, no. It was like, no. I was like, I'm literally throwing a fucking perception check and a deception check, and it's actually hitting. They're lying. They're counteracting my lies with his lie, with their lies. Come on. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> getting back to um, Last of Us 2, we can talk about D&D for a lot. I know we can talk about D because I know you DM for your own, your own clan. I do. <laughs> we can just like, because I, I, and I, and I know you probably want to throw me in there to see how, how I'll react to your games. I'll probably be, I'll try to stay neutral. But knowing how I get into now, I, I try to play it like the Inquisitor from Inquisition, but that just went out the window. I'm now Zevran. <laughs> I, 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 I come to accept I am now the Isabella and Zevran of my D&D clan. Damn. I try to fuck anything that moves. Um, I damn near get anybody killed or people who wrongs me, they get killed. Um, I sneak and hide money from my own clanmates. <laughs> so I'm, I'm specifically Zebrin and Isabella. If y'all don't know who they is, just definitely just Google search Dragon Age, Isabella and Zebrin. Y'all know who. <laughs> like, and I accept that. I'm, I'm cool with that. It sounds like it'd be fun having you in a game. Because I was, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm now... I, I'm after three months. I'm, no, four months. I'm finally hitting my stride, and I'm like, I was being safe the first two months, but something was like, you know what? I gotta quit being safe. I gotta be, gotta be not crazy, but inject a little bit more fun. Like, don't treat it like I'm playing a Dragon Age game. <laughs> and I'm having fun. But the essentially. They won every article. Um, they won. They, um, Last of Us Two. To get back to the article, they won every, almost every title at the Game Awards, which is still surprising to have Christopher Nolan talking about all these games. Um, it's just, it's jarring. Like to hear him say, I'm paraphrasing him because I'm, I'm still, I was still flabbergasted seeing the, the clip. How the games narratively. Or art, like you literally have someone who views cinema as the highest form of art, talking about how game narrative is the new form of interacting with art, because video games gives you bridge the narrative bridge with storytelling with gameplay. Yeah, and I'm like, he either has a son 
or an assistant who played all these games or he watched gameplay videos to get a sense of that. Either way, that's fine to hear, to hear him talk about that. He's not reading off a teleprompter. This is him saying this. So you can tell the difference between an actor and actors doing a teleprompter or someone actually talking. Like he was literally looking at the camera and saying it. John David Washington, um, sorry, Reggie, visit me. You was reading off a prompter. I, I see the shifting of your eyes. <laughs> but um, you can hear it in the tone as well. Yeah. They said um, in the article, it said, according to the Game Awards website, the best direction to get award is given for outstanding creative vision and innovative in a time of direction and design. This description makes it clear that the responsibility for winning or losing this award rests squarely on the shoulders of the people in charge of leading development. In the case of Last of Us 2, this will be director and Naughty Dog, now Naughty Dog co-president, Neil Druckmann. Side tangent, of an, on another tangent. Neil, why did you cut your hair, man? <laughs> the locks was, you, you got good hair. You got a good hair and you cutting it. You cut like I get it. You're co-president. You have to look more professional, but dude, you could have broke broke the curve, like how a former Apple co-founder, um, founder, whatever his name is, I can't forget his name. It was all about the turtleneck. You could have been the man with the hair. <sighs> what a waste of good hair. What a waste of good hair. Now Corey Barlog now has the best hair in gaming, I'm just saying. Maybe he'll grow it back. Probably. But I'm still saying, going gray naturally and rocking it, that's a sign of good hair. I'm just saying. And I feel Miles Morales also has to be... If there was a hair catalog category in video games, Miles Morales has to get the number one spot. Those <laughs> That lineup was crisp as fuck. Seriously, the game development of Spider-Man Miles Morales was so damn good. They got his hair. They they had to find a barber, and was like, you know, I got let me let me let me design this for you. Let me design Miles' hmm. hair for you. Like I want that in an, in another RPG. Give me some crisp lines, all right? Bioware, when you make another black character, when you want us to have black people in these games, hell, people who's Afro Latin. We want good hairstyles. All right, I'm just saying. I just want. I, want, I don't care if it's Dragon Age or Mass Effect. Give me a good hairline, man. I don't have a bad hairline personally, but you give these fucking black Afro Latin characters these fucked up lines. <laughs> Shit, come on. Like the 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 dude in Last of Us Two had a better hairline in the video game, and he's not even the main character. Either way, um, it's credited <laughs> to the auteur of Behind the Success. But they said it's no subject that Naughty Dog subjected its workers to unbelievable levels of tech crunch um, to get The Last of Us 2 out the door, but it's hardly an innovation when it comes to Naughty Dog or game development in general. Over the years, um, the studio has been um, constant employee turnover, has seen constant um, employee turnover as developers crunch on games like The Last of Us, Uncharted, Burnout, and Throw in the Towel. Relentless overtime, missed weekends, long stretches of time without seeing your family. These things take a toll on the most passionate artists. This can be something that is continuing over and over again within each game. Um, because it's unsustainable. Um, it, is, it is an unsustainable one. The Last of Us Part 2 um, told Kotaku earlier this year that at a certain point, at a certain point, you realize, I can't keep doing this, I'm getting older. 
I can't stay in work all night. Which is true. Mm. Um, like, you hear... And this also goes in terms of pay rate as well, because CD Projekt Red, most of their execs are going to get millions of dollars in terms of um, bonuses. But you don't hear that going towards the people who are spending literally 24 to 48 hours or a week's time at work. Um, And even if they're at home, still, they're spending all this time developing the game while the executives are walking around just going on the internet talking. In regards to um, in regards to the well, I, I I actually got a couple things to say about that. Um, this is something that I heard recently that I actually did not know, is that City Project Red actually pays all of their employees uh, a percentage bonus on revenue, and. Uh, it's something like eleven percent bonus on revenue. So eleven percent of the of the revenue that the company makes every year goes to the pocket of uh, like it gets distributed between the copy, between the pockets of every single one of the developers. Um, I think it was um, who was it? Who was it? This 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 dude who used to work at IGN. Um, God damn. Pierce Schreier? No. Kaylee Page? No, this dude who did uh, the Beyond podcast with Greg. With, uh, with Greg. Oh, um, Colin Mockery. Um, yeah, Colin Moriarty. Carl, Colin Moriarty. Yeah, Colin Moriarty, um, I believe it was him who recently made the calculation about that. And it and he calculated on, I don't know if it was last, uh, I think it might have been last year that based on the revenue of the company, like every single employee was going to go with an extra $50,000 that year in the pocket. Um, an extra $50,000 for every single developer. That, that That's as far as I understand. Um, that is exceedingly unique like I, I i don't think any other company does that yeah, yeah. um I, I think city project red would be the only company that does that but we go in terms of american standards no. yeah no way no way nobody in no, nobody in the states would do that and 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 listen there's this thing about this this kotaku article right um It's undoubted. It's undoubtedly true that the crunch thing is inhuman, and and it plain shouldn't happen. Um, it is a failure on management, and it is it, it is putting the work to to inhuman standards to to actually complete a product to which most likely they won't see any any. Uh, final benefit uh, beyond uh, sometimes they will get laid off after the project is done because they're not even permanent uh, permanent workers there. Um, so yes, it is unfair and it is it is it, it's inhumane. Um, whether I agree with this uh, specific article on it, though, I mean, as much as I agree with the with the fact that. That crunch is wrong, and and companies should be very careful, and they should be uh, 
um, they should be taking steps to avoid it at all costs. Um, I don't know that I really agree with this article. Um, I mean, the the award given to the best direction is not best management. It's not best company management. It's not best. Um, it's best direction. Best direction as in art, like as in he directed the game in a way that it's that it delivered a message that is so powerful that it that it um, it, it qualifies him for this award. Um, it's not about it's not an award of how well you manage your team is an award about how the message that you wanted to transmit was uh, so transcendental that it actually put you up there uh, better than any other uh, any other director out there any other game director now um, so yeah well I do agree on on the on on, on the perspective that crunch is wrong um i kind of get the feeling that this is the, this article was just pulled straight out of nothing like i mean one thing let's call huh? out the writer let's call out the writer on this one. i mean ian nothing walker. against the writer honestly uh, ian, ian ian walker i mean uh, nothing against you dude i i just don't uh, I, I don't see it. I'm not convinced. Like I, I hear the, I, I hear that the intention is to raise awareness about about the problem of crunch. I just don't think that you're right. I think you're wrong. I, I think he, if he was such a good director, I mean, his ability as a director is not represented in how well he manages his team to achieve his vision. His ability as uh, as a director is represented in how the vision is represented in the game um how good the game turns out uh as badly managed as it might have been that they had to do so much crunch the fact the fact of the matter is it was stellarly directed and the and the people who who considered it good enough to to be awarded that best director certainly thought that this was all true um, should they consider things that, uh, should they consider things, uh, like this, like maybe, uh, hell, maybe they should make an award in the, in the games award that, that is best company management that rewards people for being humane in the way that they treat their, their employees and, uh, how they manage their projects, how, how they, how strictly they keep to the schedule in a way that doesn't actually bleed out their employees. Hell, that, maybe that should be a thing. Maybe that would be one way of encouraging that. I just, I just think this is a well-intentioned, but maybe misleaded, misguided, uh, uh, article to be to be written and i don't agree N nothing against the dude i just don't agree okay. for now my opinion that's right um <laughs> i do agree no i do agree with you is more on the direction of the game um and the story and the narrative being pushed forward um 
because this because they're saying this for creative vision and innovation in the game direction and design. Um, I do agree on that aspect because there is like Last of Us Two gave a mechanic that I'm like, where an NPC is calling out another NPC's name. Normally, you don't see that in games. You don't. And Last of Us Two and Ghost of Tsushima done that both. Where you see the NPC calling the name of the other NPC that you just recently killed at that. So it's like, oh shit. And most most of it is tied to the story. And I like that. Um, But to me, I personally feel like I hate award shows because we we all have various opinions on what should be um, game of the year or direction or anything like that. Um, like I do have my own biases, um, but we all know by this when we, I've been speaking so far. If you've been following through this whole episode, hopefully you have. I have been speaking more in terms of the narrative side of things than gameplay, because now I'm realizing getting older. Gameplay is secondary to me. The story is now more important to me more than ever. And if you blend yeah. the two, and if you blend the two, that is perfect. Um, I don't want to get too much into that topic because that's what we're going to talk about in our season finale of Nerds Against the World. Hmm. Um, gameplay and narrative because, and if that drives us. So, I think it's a, I think your topic, your, you ended it off, this episode off very well. <laughs> I, I appreciate I, that. Because we'll be giving too much away for the next episode and I don't want to do that. So, with that... We're gonna end off right here. Thank you again for listening to Nerds and Chris, the World of Reboot. Um, make sure you hear this episode and any other episodes under the Giant Contributor Robot podcast feed on Spotify and on SoundCloud. By this point, we should be on Stitcher. Um, it's a long-running joke that should be ended. <laughs> <laughs> it really should. Um, but also, thank you, Mauricio, for returning. Uh, Happy to always return, man. Anytime you want me. Season two, here we come. Because I know we got a lot more things to say as nerds. But also, once again, this is just an we just an open forum talk. Yes, there was tangents, some on on target, some not. But we're just speaking on what we like to see change within the gaming community and concerns that we have within, in specifically this episode, concerns we had in the gaming community, and I think. You just helped me give a, a topic for season two. Nice. That's equal, really good. Equal, I'm glad. Equal pay within the damn gaming community. God damn it. <laughs> that is a topic for season two. But until then, thank you for listening.